All right. <clears throat> What's that? No, no drum rolls necessary. Here we go. A mother gave her little girl a quarter and a dollar before church. And she said to her, put whichever one you want in the collection plate and keep the other one for yourself. She told her daughter. When they were coming out of church, the mother asked her daughter which amount she had given. She said, well, I was going to give the dollar. But just before the collection, the man in the pulpit said that we should all be cheerful givers. And I knew I'd be a whole lot more cheerful if I gave the quarter. So I did. <laughs> huh? Okay, I got a thumbs up on the first one. All right, there we go. <laughs> uh, there we go. It was just before Christmas. And the magistrate was in a happy mood, and he asked the prisoner who was in the dock, he said, what were you charged with? The prisoner replied, doing my Christmas shopping too early. That's no crime, said the magistrate. Just how early were you doing the shopping? Before the store opened, he said. <laughs> uh, that was a so-so. Was okay, uh, maybe I should rearrange the order of these. <laughs> so a little girl climbed on Santa's lap, and Santa asked the usual, and what would you like for Christmas? The child stared up at him, mouth open, horrified for a minute, said, didn't you get my email? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> tough audience here this morning. Wow, tough audience. Oh, my goodness gracious. Reminds me of the two guys that uh, it was just before Christmas, and, and their wives were going out, and, uh, and they said, you know, we don't want to go shopping. So they said, we're going to. Let's go, uh, you know, uh, windsurfing instead. So they got out their windsurfers, and they were going along. And, and, and anyway, the wind just came up. It was terrible. And they're both, you know, they're in the Bay in San Francisco. And if you've ever been there before, the water's cold all year round. It's just terrible, miserable type of thing. And, and they're both, you know, they're, they're, they're sailors. They're, they're, wind sails have, have collapsed. They can't get them back up. They're trying to paddle into shore. Their knuckles and hands are bleeding, and they're going, man, this is pretty treacherous. And the other guy looks at him and says, yeah, but it sure beats shopping, doesn't it? You see? And there's a lot of guys feel that way. How many know what I'm talking about? Uh, have you been up the north front the last couple days? Oh, my word. I'm telling you. Can I ask you guys, the police officers here in, this, in the church, Why? This is just something I'm concerned about, you know, because I go out west, and they do this all the time out west, and I don't understand why we don't do it here. But you know, like you got Canadian Tire, and you got the plaza, and you got the corner mall and all that. Why don't we have a service road connecting them all together at the back so that all the traffic doesn't have to come back out on Bell Boulevard and back in again to get from one store to the other? You know, I go out to west, Red Deer, to Calgary, all this place. They have those all over. Why don't we have them here, Jeremy? Can you help me out? Well, sure. What? <laughs> Are you with me? Shouldn't we have those? Well, I don't know. You, you enforce that nonsense. I mean, you must have something to do with it. I, <laughs> you're the only person here that works for the city in one capacity or another. I got to pick on somebody. I see what you can do about that. Like, I don't understand that. Can you help me out with that? Uh, you know, it, it would alleviate half the traffic on the street if they just let you go from all the way from the mall all the way over to Home Depot with a little back service road. Tons of room for it there. And you, I mean, it would be awesome. It would be awesome. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, I just, I'm just trying to help the city out here. These are the things that I stay awake thinking about at night. I just want you to know it's a, it's a burden that I bear. Uh, anyway, is this not going to work? What's that? I was. I was, 
It says I am. I'll turn it off and go back on again then. There, it says I am. We have a, one little piece back there in the sound booth that's about this big that's decided to malfunction over the last few weeks, so we have to replace all that stuff. Okay, so now we got that weird thing going. Okay, just leave it there, guys. I'll... Uh, What's that? I'll go out and back in again here. Make, uh, the, the little piece only $100, but to replace it so that all of it is, uh, is compatible and works together, it's about $1,700. To, right now we have three little pieces back there that are 100 bucks a piece that we've been hodgepodge together for the last number of years. But to get a device that'll do... Everything, uh, I think it was 1700 bucks. has eight inputs, eight outputs, and it has audio extraction on every one of the channels. So some of you are going, what in the world is he talking about? It's so that we can have multiple devices going into the box and multiple outputs to different televisions and stuff around the building, and that each input, you have to extract the audio from it so that it can be played through the soundboard or whatever. Because as you notice, when we play videos, it doesn't come out of the projector. It comes out of, so you've got an HDMI signal going into the projector, uh, from the projector, so the, the uh, app laptop or whatever, but we don't have the audio, it's going through a soundboard. So uh, it isn't like your home audio, you got to have devices to do that. So, yeah. I know, but, but people are asking why. People can go, oh, it's because it's an Apple. It's not an Apple or a PC issue. It's a little box back there issue that needs to be replaced that's uh, probably a no-name brand issue is what we've got. So anyway... Um, this morning, this morning, keeping in our theme, I want to talk to you about uh, the fact that every one of us is made to shine, and uh, that I want to talk to you about what it is to be light uh, in this season. And one of the things that I find the, the most beautiful thing about Christmas is Christmas lights. How many are with me? You know, I love driving around town. And uh, I just love, if, have you guys been, I think I've mentioned this, but have you guys in the last few years been to Napanee through downtown? Yeah. You go there? So nice. They've taken all their storefronts and they've wrapped them in lights so they look like Christmas boxes, packages. So there's like downtown Bellevue, you know, you got all those old century type buildings and, and, big, and they, all of them are, are framed in different colored lights and stuff. So each individual building looks like a different box wrapped. Uh, it's quite phenomenal. You stand at the end of the street and you look down the street, and uh, they've done a beautiful job with it. It's it's quite remarkable, and uh, and I and I love seeing that. I love the display we have down by the waterfront uh, that started privately by a guy uh, in memory of their their son, I think that w- that was uh, killed in a car accident, and uh, was up on Pine Street, and then it got so large the city's taken it over and moved it down there, and it's phenomenal the amount of stuff there. You can walk around there, and the kids go ooh and off ah for a good half hour, 45 minutes as you walk through the whole display. It's fantastic, and, and I just love lights. And, you know, a lot of times we take it for granted because we see it all, every year, and we go, wow, isn't that beautiful? But, you know, it's, a, it's something that is a cultural phenomenon for many, in many ways for the most part, and not necessarily do you see it everywhere when you travel and stuff as you see it here. And um, some neighborhoods seem to get into competitions, and you know, you got, you know, different people on different sides of the streets trying to outdo each other and all that kind of stuff. 
And, uh, you know, it, it's kind of fun to see you. You know, the Bible calls us the light of the what? The light of the world. And it's one of the names that we have in common with Christ. Jesus is, is also called the light. The, the light that has come into the world that shines in the darkness. And the Bible says, in the darkness comprehended it not. And so, uh, you know, we share that name or that descriptor with our Savior, that we too are the light shining uh, in the darkness. And you and I were made to shine. Matthew 5, 16, Jesus even said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light shine. Let your light shine. Um, I want to look at a particular text this morning that's probably not considered to be a Christmas passage, but it's one of my favorite verses. And it's found in Psalm chapter 8. And this is what it says. And this is from the New American Standard uh, Bible. But it says, What is man that thou dost take thought of him? And the son of man that thou dost care for him? Yet thou hast made him a little lower than God, and dost crown him with glory and majesty. Thou dost make him to rule over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Father, I just ask today that you would uh, give us your grace and, Father, your understanding as we look at this passage this morning. And, Father, that you would help us to understand the nature of our God, the nature of our Christ. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This is one of those um, verses of the Old Testament that I think is key to our understanding of who God is and who we are in relationship to God. It's one of those verses, it's kind of like the Great Commission, you know, in, in Matthew or in Mark. It's, it's one of those verses that could be like a, a Rosetta Stone verse. Does everybody know what Rosetta Stone is? Have you ever heard of it? If you want to learn a new language, you can take Rosetta uh, Stone courses and buy them. Well, Rosetta Stone was a stone that was found in the Middle East and uh, named after its discoverer. And the stone contained uh, several different languages. And because of the stone, without getting into too much detail... They were, one of the languages that was on there was Egyptian hieroglyphics, and they were able to interpret many of the hieroglyphics because of the translations in other languages, which they already knew. So the Rosetta Stone has given us the ability to be able to understand things of ancient languages that we never understood before. And so sometimes it's used as a, a metaphor, if you will, for us to be able to apply to other situations. And so this verse in Psalm uh, you know, it is, is, is like a Rosetta Stone for understanding our relationship with God and understanding many of the other verses that speak to our relationship with God and who God is. And so this is one of why I think it's such a key verse in the scripture. And, uh, and it's one of those verses that makes the birth of Jesus Christ uh, so significant because it helps us to understand the nature of Christ and who God made him to be and who God made us to be. And I think that's why this is such a, a key passage in the scripture. And if, there, if there's any uh, psalm that you need to study and understand, this is the one. And it's, it's a controversial passage because in many translations it gets translated differently than you see it up here this morning. And, uh, and that also is an interesting thing, that some of the translations will translate it instead of made him a little lower than God, it says a little lower than angels or than the angels. And yet the uh, word that was used in Hebrew is the word Elohim, which is the word used, the most common word used for God in the scripture. And so uh, very rarely is it ever translated anything else. It is almost 
exclusively translated uh, God. But in this passage, uh, some translations, if you're reading uh, from a different translation, the New American Standard, you will find it might say that a little lower than angels. And I'll get to that in a minute. So <clears throat> first question this, this verse asks, or this passage asks, what is man that thou should take thought of him or that thou should think about him? Uh, the answer is, what is man that God should think about him? Well, what is man? Man is a carrier of God's influence in this world. You know, God has made a lot of things, from trees to porcupines to zebras to platypuses to whales. But man and man alone, humanity, is the carrier of God's influence in this world. We're the only ones who can share it, express it, articulate it, craft the world around it, shape society. We, we alone have the ability to walk in relationship with God and carry out that mandate. All right? You understand what I'm saying? Uh, man is also the expression of God's fatherly nature as well. Man continues... Uh, to, to advance in our culture and our society where we're not like flatworms. You know, we don't, we don't multiply by dividing, right? All of a sudden, you know, the worm creates offspring by just kind of and splitting in two, and then, you know, uh, then you got two worms, right? We don't do that. We, we follow a procreative process where we have a father and a mother, and we raise the children in that environment, and that, too, is a reflection of the nature of God. That we as people have the ability to express uh, that care and that fatherly nature, that motherly nature over our offspring that God was able to do over humanity. And so we share that with God as well. Man is God's bridge, if you will, uh, of an extension of himself as he penetrates creation. And, uh, and, and while at the same time remaining... Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Remaining a, a separate from creation. So let me explain that. In other words, God is able to express himself throughout creation and yet remain separate from it at the same time because of man. Now think about that. Think about that. Put another way, God is everywhere at the same time, but he's able to specifically be here because he's here in and through who? Humanity, Right? So God is able to be experienced as the creator of everything, the God who is everywhere, but he's also able to be here operating and working and touching the world through us. In that sense, every one of us is an expression of Christ. Every one of us is God incarnate, God taking on flesh by living himself out through humanity. That's how God does it. That's how God shapes the world. He does it through us. Could he do it another way? I suppose he could have, but he chose to do it this way. This is how God chose to do it. He expresses himself in this world through us. So he is completely uh, outside of this world, transcendent, if you will, but he's also expressed in this world every day through every single believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are carriers of his glory. Someone say amen. Awful quiet in here. So in answer to the question, what is man that you should think of him? I think we're a pretty big deal. 
We're a pretty big deal because God made us to be a, bit, be a pretty big deal. He created the earth to be an extension of his kingdom, and he put humanity on it so that he could express himself through humanity in this realm and make it his dominion, make it his place, make it a God place. He does it through us. That's what man is. That's pretty cool stuff. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. All right. The second question that the psalmist asks is, what is man that you should be thoughtful of him? And then he says, what is the son of man that you should care for him? This question takes us directly into the heart of God and and exposes the method through which uh, mankind is empowered by God the Father to do great things. God himself became a human being in the person of Jesus Christ. The son of man is a description that's used in the New Testament of Jesus all the time. He's called the son of God. He's called the son of man, right? You've seen those verses and words in Matthew and Mark. He's given that reference. And he is both. He is son of man, son of God. He is the God-man. He is the, the first and only created. He is God in the flesh. And so both titles that are given to him are both accurate descriptions of who he is. And so... Who is he that God should care for? Well, he is God's fullest expression given to this world to walk amongst us, to come and to die and to empower us to be everything that we could be from the first question. Who is man? Right? Are you hearing me this morning? Jesus is the embodiment of all that God wants to do in and through mankind. Jesus embodies it all. We have to think about that for a minute. The incarnation, God sent his son to be clothed in human flesh. And in so doing, he gave a picture of what each and every one of us would also be. God, uh, his spirit in us, wrapped in flesh. And so when we come to Christ and he, and he redeems us, we use phrases like he comes, we ask him into our heart, or he, or he comes to live within us, or we're the temple of the Lord. What we have to understand is that God is incarnating himself in humanity every time someone comes to Christ. Every time someone says yes to Jesus' sacrifice and yes to his provision for us, we are becoming joint heirs with Christ. We are transformed into God's expression here on earth. This is fabulous stuff. This is marvelous stuff. It's who we are. And so in that sense, each of us becomes son of man. Right? Each of us becomes joint heir with Christ. Each of us gathers or gains or, or acquires a status that we would not have without his redemption on our behalf. And that's why the, the world has a right to look to the church to be different. You know, we sometimes get upset because people want to judge us, right? And they have, they have a right to expect us to be different. Because we claim, we claim to have encountered God and to have God live within us. So when they have expectations of us, it's because whether they confess it or not, whether they actually say they believe in God or not, what they're actually saying is, I have expectations of God, and so you say he lives within you, so I therefore have an expectation of you. Think about that for a minute. A little bit of pressure, isn't it? 
But that is what our faith says. The first, uh, the, not, the last statement I want to look at is when he said, you have made man, uh, him a little lower than God and crown him with glory and majesty. This, this statement speaks to man's condition in the context of being a little lower than God and awaiting the full glorification uh, with Christ in eternity. We are just a little lower than God. And I think it's a, it is the accurate translation. Because uh, whether this verse is referring to the Son of Man as in the Savior that would come, or whether it's referring to man in the first statement, who is man that you should think of him, the reality is whether we're speaking of Christ or whether we're speaking of the joint heirs of Christ, we are all just below God, not below the angels. It's a bad translation to say that he made them a little lower than the angels. Certainly that wouldn't be true of Jesus, right? And certainly I don't think it's true of us either. In fact, Hebrews tells us that are not all angels ministering servants sent to serve who? Turn to the person beside you and say, the angels are your servants. So the scripture says, God gave them to help us, to help us carry out our tasks, to help us achieve what God has for us. That's where you are not made lower than the angels. You are God's crowning creation, always have been, and in your redeemed form, you are a spectacular piece of work that God is fully proud to call his son or his daughter. That's who you are. It's a bad translation to say lower than the angels. I don't even know where that comes from. But the reality is that that's who we are. And that's who God has made us to be. Amen? Amen. It's one of the reasons why I like the New American Standard. It, 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 it doesn't get nervous about what the scripture actually says. And so it just translates it the way it is. Amen? Um, <clears throat> man being a created being and God being the only uncreated being tells us clearly that man's exaltation, will, will, we're never going to supplant God, but we're made in the image of God. So we're not here to supplant him. It's not like God has created somebody who, who and, and poured his glory into someone who can, 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 can claim to, to have replaced him. No, we are still the created, but we're the created in the image of the uncreated. Are you hearing me this morning? And so nevertheless, we also will be crowned with Christ to rule and reign forever. And some people say, what will we rule and reign over? Well, that all depends on your eschatology. Lots of different answers you could come up with. But the reality is, there, there could be worlds yet uncreated. There could be all kinds of things that we do not know what is in God's mind or heart for the next billion years. We don't know, but all we know is whatever is in his heart, we will rule and reign over, with him over it. Amen? Amen? That's what the scripture says. I can't wait. If an infinitely creative God could come up with all kinds of cool stuff. We get to be a part of it. We get to rule and reign over it. Wow. Man, oh man. Praise the Lord. And then the Bible says, and you have made man to rule over the works of your hands and put all things under his feet. Again, whether that's speaking of the son of man, the second question, or man, the first question, it's still true. When Christ died on the cross, he did so to restore our dominion, that Word you see in Genesis chapter 1, where it says God created man, he gave him dominion over the earth. That do word dominion in Hebrew is mamlika, and it means to have uh, authority. It means to have authority in a realm, and we were given the authority over all the earth. And here's the question, what are we doing with it? Hey, bud, what's up? Oh, what are you doing? 
poop? Is that what you're doing? No. <laughs> oh. See, now that's a perfect illustration of exactly what happens in glory, right? You can just walk up anytime and interrupt the Father, and he'll pay attention to you because you're his child. Hello? He'll stop whatever he's doing, and he'll just take time because why? Because he loves you. You're his children. You don't have to book an appointment. You don't have to treat your prayer time like, oh, God, I gotta, if you're not too busy right now, he says, no, I'm never too busy for you. Amen? Come on. Wow. Okay, so what do we say after all of this? What do we say? We say Merry Christmas. Why? Because God made us to shine. In this world filled with so much nonsense and darkness and, and that, that almost always every day displays the fallenness of humanity, we uh, have an answer for that question. What is man that thou should think of him? What is man? He's the most beautiful prized creation of God. And what is the son of man? He is God incarnate and a prefiguration of what every one of us will also one day be in glory. Jesus was the first fruits, the firstborn, the Bible says, of all creation. In other words, the state that Jesus rose from the dead to occupy is the same state we're going to occupy one day as we reign and rule with him. Someone say amen. amen. And man, if that isn't good news, make your toes twinkle and everything else, then what in the world's going on with you? Turn to the person beside you and say, man, can I fog a mirror? Am I alive? Am I awake? What's going on here today? Wow. You know, the first Christmas came in a day when it seemed real dark, too. In fact, we think the world's dark today. The world was awfully, awfully, awfully dark when Jesus came. It was governed by one of the most tyrannical, oppressive regimes the world's ever seen. And yet, it was at that dark moment, out of all the dark moments across all humanity, when God chose to send his son into the world. Frederick Buchner says this of Christmas. He says, God visited us, and the world has never been quite the same since. It's still a very dark world, in some ways darker than ever before, but the darkness is different because he keeps, hear this, he keeps getting born into it. How? He keeps getting born into it. Every time someone comes to Christ, Christ is reborn into this world through us. Every time. The threat of holocaust, the threat of poisoning the earth, the sea of the air, the threat of her own deaths, a broken marriage, the pain, a child in a pain, the, uh, in pain I should say, the lost chance. Anyone who has ever known him has known him perhaps better in the dark than anywhere else because it is in the dark that he seems to visit most often. Isn't that awesome? I've some, in some of my darkest moments is when I've cried out to God and I've felt him the closest. Because he visits us in those dark moments. He visits us in those moments of feeling alone and empty. We call out to him and, and he's there. And Israel went through 400 years of darkness, the darkest time. The, in fact, when it seemed like God never spoke, and we have no prophetic record or anything in those 400 years. And then he spoke. And when he spoke, Jesus came into the darkness. And the Bible says, and the darkness comprehended it not. But he came as a light. Amen? And it shone in the darkness. Hallelujah. The birth of Christ highlights, I think, the difference between Christianity and all the other world religions. Buddhists, they strive to follow the four noble truths and the uh, noble eightfold path. Muslims observe the five pillars of Islam. Hindus seek to advance through multiple reincarnations by practicing ascetic rituals and doing good deeds. 
Devout Jews worked to keep their 613 laws in the Old Testament law. But at Christmas, by contrast, God came down to us. All the other world religions are about us trying to rise ourselves up to God. But in Christ, God came down to us. God came down to us. And even in Jesus' birth, he came to lowly peasants. And in Jesus' life, he, he reached out to the leper. He reached out to the poor. He reached out to the sick. He reached out to the firm. He reached down and touched humanity over and over and over again. And throughout history, the church has done the same thing. We've reached out to the poor. We've reached out to the lost, the downtrodden. We've opened up orphanages and schools and hospitals. We've done everything that has been a reflection of the nature of what Jesus did when he walked in this earth for 33 years. We've been doing the same thing. Why? Because we're compelled to, because our big brother showed us how to do it. But we're empowered to do it because our big brother died that we would have the power to do it. Amen? We follow not only his example, we walk in his anointing and his power. Someone say amen to that. Hallelujah. So, here we sit this morning. I believe God wants us to see the problems of our world today as our responsibility to fix. Only one amen on that? The problems of the world are our responsibility to fix. I know there's a tendency to think government should fix everything. The only reason government has in the last, I don't know, maybe post-World War II basically, stepped in and, and has become the arm that fixes everything is because the church has stepped back. And the more the government steps forward, the more we step back. Government steps forward, we step back. But Christ called us to be the light of the world. And some of you say, I know some of us were preconditioned. We say, oh, but it's so dark and it's so hard. And, you know, and look at, the, look at how difficult it is nowadays. But you know what? That's when the light shines the brightest. When it's light, you can't see it. I, wanna, I got something here I want to show you this morning. I got a couple years ago. Got a wonderful Christmas gift, and I absolutely love it. I got this thing called a Kindle. This is a, a Kindle Paperwhite, right? Now, the Kindles, how many have a Kindle? Let me see your hands. Now, when the Kindle came out, you know what was so cool about Kindles? What was so cool is that they're made of what they call e-ink. So when you have bright, bright sunlight, the Kindle looks just like reading a newspaper, right? So you can be out by the pool, whereas if you pull your iPhone out, you've got to go, you got to try and shadow it and stuff because you can't see it. But these kinds of screens look just like normal newsprint when you're trying to read it. And, and, but the problem with them is you get them in, in the dark and you can't see them. Now, my Kindle, uh, Barry, can you go to the lights? My Kindle's different. My, my Kindle's what they call uh, a paper white. And, it, you know, it looks normal. But the thing about this one is, is that, just flick all the switches off real quick, is that this one glows in the dark. Because this one actually has a light as well. So this one you can read at night, or you can read in the daytime. You can read it 24-7. Isn't that a beautiful thing? And, and, you know, you couldn't even tell there was any light coming off of it when the lights were on, but as soon as you turn the lights off, it, you can see it really well, right? Everybody can see it. That thing's lit up, right? Because when the darkness comes, the light shines, right? Amen? When darkness comes, the light shines. And in, if we can understand that that revelation, that the greater the darkness, yeah, you can turn it back up now, the greater the darkness, the greater the light, right? That the, the more dark it is, 
the more your light shines. If the world's perfect, then our, none of us are going to have much individual brightness to us. But in this world, you know, if, if it gets darker, all that means is that we shine all that brighter. Hello? And the Bible's injunction to us is to let that light shine. Remember when we were little kids in Sunday school? Hide it under a bushel. No, no I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Right? Some of the best theology is in kids' songs. It's right there. It's spot on. So it doesn't matter how dark it gets. All that means is that we're going to shine all the brighter. It doesn't matter how confused the world gets. We'll, we'll be a demonstration of what it means to think clearer. It doesn't matter how hard the world gets. We'll just be those who have an even softer heart. Why? Because we have been touched by the incarnate Christ. And he lives within us. And we have the ability to shine supremely bright in this world today. Amen? And no place do we shine brighter than at Christmas time. This is the time of year to let it shine, folks. <clears throat> the darker the room, the more powerful the light. The darker the world, the more brightly we shine. Isn't that true? So let your light shine before men that they see your good deeds and they're able to give praise and glory to your Father in heaven. I want to challenge you again this morning. Let your light shine. Let your light shine. You know, it doesn't have to be hard. I was listening to a, uh, the radio uh, this morning, or was, or was it yesterday? It was yesterday. I was listening to UCB, and they had, uh, you know, that program that they have on every once in a while where it's, it's, it's like, I don't know, it's not made locally, but it's like uh, they do the top 20, and they do all these different stuff and everything. Well, this time they were doing a Christmas-themed one, and a guy was just talking about how he said he was in the, the, at the store, and he's standing in the lineup, and the lady in front of him was in a really kind of a foul mood, and and he just says, I, he says, I just started singing. I can't remember what song it was. And, and uh, he said, I started singing it. Happy and holidays. Yeah, that's the one he started singing, Happy Holidays. And, and, and she started to laugh, and the whole checkout line started to laugh. And all of a sudden, everybody's having a good time. Why? Because one person hey. let their light shine. It's all it takes. You know, it's all it takes. I know that's, you know, you get out there, and you're driving through North Front, and you see all that kind of stuff, and the temptation is to just, you know, honk the horn or run somebody over or something. I don't know. But I, I, I know how it works. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is a chance for you to be different. Why? Because Christ is in us and we have the ability to be different. We have the ability to smile. We have the ability to, to, to give love and to give hope and to give joy. Why? Because Jesus is in us. And the light of the world is within us. And we get to shine in this darkened world. And, you know, and it doesn't matter how, where, whether you think it's getting darker or not. It's just an opportunity for you to shine brighter, that's all. Isn't that exciting? No matter what happens, you get to shine. You know, because I don't think the world could get as bad. I mean, maybe it can, I don't know. I, but as it was when Jesus was born, but Jesus shone so brightly because the world was so dark. At no point did it have a, such a revelation of its need for a savior as when Jesus came and the light shone in the darkness. Amen? And sometimes they won't get it. That's, you know, that's prophesied as well. Sometimes they won't get it, but many people will get it, and they'll get it because you're different than everybody else. Right? So everybody, put your hand over your heart like this.
Which one do you put? Yeah, is it the? It's the left one, right? You go like this. Put your right hand up. Is that how it works? Can I ask the police officer this one? Is that how it works, Jeremy? Sure. Okay. <laughs> I realize you're not a city planner, but have you ever been to court? Okay, that. So, uh, uh, you know. <laughs> Uh, just, just with me this morning, would you do this? I promise, I promise that I will not be, will not be the, Grinch the Grinch this Christmas. I promise I, promise I will let, I will let my, light shine my light shine in the darkness. In the darkness. I, promise I promise to be, to be an, influence an influence for his glory. His glory. Everywhere, I go, Everywhere I go, every store I go to, every, I go to, every person I encounter, that's who I will be. So I swear. So help me God. Amen. That's good. That's good. Now, your biggest test is coming because if you didn't do your shopping yet, you ain't seen nothing till this week, all right? If you have to go up to the mall this week, the Lord be with you. Because <laughs> you're going to need it. Hallelujah. Uh, I was up there yesterday buying lights for the kitchen and and uh, I think it took me 20 minutes, maybe 20, 25 minutes to get to Home Depot, but eventually made it. And, uh, you know, I was able to get those lights and then uh, get them installed and stuff. And, and uh, you know, that, such is the nature. I used to leave all my shopping until like a day before Christmas. And, uh, you know, I, I don't do that anymore. I just let Sherry do it all. And, uh, and, it, and it saves me a lot of uh, aggression issues and stuff like that. Is that a good plan? See, guys? Get older, get smarter. That's how it works right there. That's how it works. All right, stand with me together this morning. That's true. Sherry just said, you know, she, she said the, the lights on the back curtain are even better illustration than my Kindle. Because <laughs> you see how, how they show up on that black curtain. The little teeny lights, right? Each one of you is like those little lights. And the darker it gets, the easier it is to see you. And so, you know, when... Everybody else is getting, you know, crazy and weird or whatever. You just keep shining, and your light becomes so attractive, you know. And people are drawn to the light. I mean, look at, look at you pour one of those lights in the backyard, and the moths will come and fly even to their death. You put a zapper in front of it, and, uh, you know, because they're drawn to the light. People are drawn to the light. Be that light, and people will be drawn to you. They will be drawn to you. Amen. You know, a lot of times we make a witnessing to be difficult, and it really isn't. If you just live as God called you to live, and you just walk and talk and confess and live the way, you will be so different than the vast majority of the population that people will be knocking on your door to find out what makes you tick, right? That's, what, that's just the reality of it. When your work is better than other people's work, when your attitude is better than other people's attitude, when your joy is greater than other people's joy, people notice. People notice. Amen? Amen? Father, we just thank you today that Christ became incarnate on that first Christmas. And God, you've been incarnating yourself in humanity ever since his death and resurrection. That Father, you have taken on the task of clothing yourself in humanity and every person that comes to you is another expression of your glory and your power. And Father, I pray today that you would let your light shine through us, each and every one of us. So this week, which is a hectic week, a busy week, would be a week where our light shines the brightest. 
And that, Father, people will come to, to and be attracted to the light that they see in the darkened corners. And, Father, we thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, don't forget next Sunday, get working on your tacky Christmas sweater creations. If, Matt, you're not going to be here, you can lend that to somebody for next week. That would work. And uh, Lord bless you. Have an amazing week.